Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Good morning. Good morning. It is 7.31 a.m. The internet. Broncos this thing on. The internet's breakfast. working. Um, so uh, I'm not going to leave Scott hanging like Scott I did yesterday Kennedy. on his birthday calling in on my phone. But welcome in, guys. It is January 4th, uh, six months until the 4th of July, when I know getting excited about that means summer's right around the corner. I'm already looking forward to the hiking backpacking season because I'm, I'm I'm starting to enter off-season mode. Scott, how are you doing? I'm doing well. So, yeah. No, I, uh, I'm i switching over to the Facebook so I can watch the Facebook, and you were still talking, and I'm like, wait a minute. Which one's, which one's real? <laughs> so the internet might be working. That doesn't mean I'm quite there yet. That's the hard part. The internet's going to get fixed. I don't. Uh, I've given up on this guy getting fixed, but that's okay. Um, we got some <laughs> buddies joining us right now. DWI guys, Ethan. Good morning, gents in Broncos country. We got EJ's in the house. We got Goo morning, Nick and Scott in Broncos country. Uh, Dave Glassman's in the house. Good morning, all. Luke Wright, good to see you. Good morning, Nick and Scott. Are you guys into MMA at all? Go Broncos. Um, I tried. I I had the uh, one of the you uh what, what is it M- MMA video games growing up where my buddies and I would just beat the absolute heck out of each other in it and then it would turn into actually punching on each other because if you're getting beat up in a video game your only solution is then to go turn around and be physical to the guy who's beating you up on a video game uh, yeah I'm uh I'm not really into it I I a thousand foot kind of watch it ten thousand feet you know kind of know who some of the main players are and we'll watch it here and there um I respect the hell out of it. I think it's amazing. Uh, I just put my son into uh, into a gym actually um, during while he's between seasons. Um, mm-hmm. I wrestled for a year in eighth grade, and it was just life changing. You know, just the the confidence you get and the ability you get. So I put my son into a gym uh, for the next three months just to kind of get that, and I'll put my daughter into it as well. Um, just so I, I respect the hell out of it. And I think it's important. I think, I think everybody should go through something like that. Some sort of training like that, just to what it does for your self-confidence alone uh, is just amazing. Yeah. It's been a big topic of conversation. I feel like over the last five to 10 years is the specialization of youth sports mm-hmm. and guys not playing, you know, they hyper-focus on one sport, but you lose a lot of skills, confidence and working with, I mean, you're losing out on working with other type of coaches and thoughts of process or thought processes. So uh, in Iowa, obviously you kind of touched on it for a second, but in Iowa, um, everybody pretty much wrestles in middle school. And a reason that Iowa seemingly always has good offensive line play in Wisconsin too, is that in the Midwest, Wrestling is huge. Uh, well, and linebackers, you don't cut block a linebacker. All you do is avoid shoots. You know, you're you're yep. you're someone's going after your legs. You sprawl, you put them down, and you you go make the tackle. Yep. And the grappling in the trenches. No, I've said this for for any of you younger parents out there. Uh, I'll say it, and if you're you know younger people who are thinking of having kids, I'll say it again. I've said it for twenty years. I'll keep saying it till I die. The only people that want you to specialize are the people that benefit from your son or daughter specializing in their sport. That's mm-hmm. it. You're either writing them a check or their job depends on that person playing for you, you know, or you playing for that person. Yeah, that's it. A, a well-rounded athlete is a better athlete. Yep. So whatever you decide to do as you get older, the lessons you can take from wrestling, basketball, soccer, tennis, baseball, football will translate better to making you better at what you end up deciding to do later, without a doubt. Yeah, no doubt. But uh, just want to give a plug for wrestling because that's I know that's a big reason that uh, Iowa does what they do in the trenches. No, for for football, wrestling and track are the two best crossover sports in the world. Basketball's yeah. solid. Uh, soccer goes anywhere. You know, footwork and conditioning footwork. goes yeah. anywhere. Yeah. Uh, but for football, I think re- it's wrestling one and track two. Yeah, wrestling is so such a big one. Listen up, Broncos country. Tick pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because. They save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T I C K. 
P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets. TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. But uh, we got US Dave. Morning all. Good to see you. Albert's in the house. Good morning, y'all in Broncos country. We got Richard in the house. Good morning. My Broncos for breakfast mug is empty. Well, get yourself a cup. I know Scott was just pouring. I just poured mine. Look, it's, it's still full. It's still foaming I can on see top. It. I, haven't yeah. even, I haven't even taken a sip. It's too hot. There you go. Good morning from Dan Linder there. Good uh, falling sloths in the house. Good morning, y'all. Peter Middleton. Fangio surely won't stay. Who would ever choose to work for him after two offensive coordinators and three losing seasons? Yeah, and, uh, and Peter, appreciate the stars on this one. This is uh, the topic of our conversation where it's almost like the fear, the fear factor. Like, it's not possible. Is it? It's not. Couldn't really happen. Could it? I don't know. I never say never, but it just seems so far fetched to me right now. Um, and we can we can get into this yeah. later. It was some topics of conversation with some of his quotes. And, you know, I know um, Chad and Zach, Zach specifically, he'll take the the most negative look at Fangio and take whatever he says and pushes it that direction. Um, so I try and play the other side of that. You know, when I'm when I'm listening, it's like, you know, he's he's talking about George Payton will get this right. And, and, and his his and his comment was. Fangio is saying that, you know, this is all on the players. And if he gets me the right players, I'm going to be fine. I'm like, you know what? Flip this. Look at it. Listen to it a different way. Listen to it as a guy who's already knows he's gone. And his farewell speech, his exit speech is saying, this is a great organization. You're in good hands with George Payton. I've enjoyed my time here. Love you, Broncos country. It didn't work out, but you're in good hands. And George Payton is going to get this right. That's another way to listen to how he is saying what he's saying and only time will tell to figure out if we've, we've got this right or not. I think that regardless of what happens with Fangio, you're going to see a new offensive coordinator and special teams coach, but you make a good point about Fangio and what kind of offensive coordinators are going to want to come into Denver uh, when Fangio is essentially on a, would be on a one, one year contract. There's just not a lot of security for that situation. This is, and this brings me back to me, Warning the alarm earlier in the season where it's like, well, maybe the Broncos will hold off as much as possible for Vic Fangio because the timing of this is just so weird with the new ownership coming in in late spring, probably. It's just I don't know, like that new owner might want to fire everybody. And then that makes this carousel really, really confusing. But even if you decide with all the, you know, all the fees that lawyers have, you know, sorry, no offense, lawyers out there. But, you know, when you've got lawyers on both sides getting paid by the hour. They don't have any incentive to make things go quickly. You know, I watch, uh, you know, what's been spreading quicker than viruses in my neighborhood have been divorces. (laughs) Everybody inside. I watch these lawyers on both sides as my wife's telling me about her friends and just, you know, they they go back and forth and they rank up, you know, six figure, you know, lawyer bills. I'm like, yeah, that's quite a racket, you know, as, as they just keep going. My point on this is even if they decide on a note or make the purchase, how long before they actually close on something like this? So something is going to have to happen. I don't think the ownership, it's just not as big a factor in what needs to happen right now. It's just not. Uh, But going back to, um, you know, the original thing with two offensive coordinators, two offensive coordinators isn't that big a deal uh, as long as they're succeeding. You know, if you're moving in and if if you hire a defensive coach and you have success and your offense is good, you're going to have to hire a new offensive coordinator just about every single year. That's the hard part about having a defensive-minded coach is if you get it right, he's going to be hired as a head coach. There's going to be 8 to 10, 12 jobs turnover every year, and a good offensive coordinator is going to be uh, one of those pl- one of those guys that's going to be uh, high on the list. You talk about getting a young guy with upside. Those guys are going even faster. So you might only have them for one year. You know, Joe Brady comes in and has a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, and all of a sudden he's getting talked about head coaching jobs. And all these the 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 other than that, the the biggest thing he's done so far is get coffee for Sean Payton. Are you joking? You know, I talk about 
people do really, you know, general managers do really stupid stuff when it comes to quarterbacks. Young coaches, offensive-minded coaches, they're, they, they lose their minds, get a little silly with that too. You so, know, everybody's talking about losing. Uh, you want to have an offensive head coach because you don't want to replace the offensive coordinator. What does it feel like to have a good offensive coordinator that's taken away, right? Like, I don't even, at this point, give me the one season or two seasons where we have, have that guy and we end up losing them because, my God, the offense has been horrible. They're horrible. So I I don't even care. I, I hear what you're saying. I don't It'd even care. It'd be nice care. to have the success and have them taken. No, yes. and, Which is good. I'm just, yes. my point is, I made a long roundabout point to talk about the ownership and that I don't think the ownership is that big a deal because it's going to take forever. By yeah. the time these lawyers get done moving around, you know, a couple billion dollars and taking their chunk out of it, yeah. getting the approval from this and all this kind of red tape crap. This is why I like doing this. This yeah. is why I like doing this and getting out of administration. I can't deal with all the paperwork. Um, yeah, the thing that scares me about it, though, it's not the firing of Fangio. It's the hiring of the new head coach that makes it odd. It's does that guy. Are you going to be as wanted with the uncertainty there? The other thing is, does Bronco yes. country want Joe Ellis with his hands all over another hiring? Because so far he has failed um, in every single administrative, essentially every single administrative decision he's made. And now he's going to have his fingers on another head coaching decision and pay George, a guy. For George Payton years? says this is my hire. I walk. It does. From what I'm gathering, Joe Ellis is going to have a a saying in this process if they do fire Vic Fangio beforehand. Well, do you do you trust George Payton in there to steer him in the right direction more than you do John Elway? I <laughs> yes, but that's on blind faith. You know, that's the, the I don't know the yeah, dynamics. What, what, there. what else do we have at this point? <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> you know, you um, got hope and and faith that they're going to get it right. The yeah. hope is that a new ownership comes in and. St- sets things in the right direction. Mm-hmm. The hope is what we've seen out of Peyton is, is been mostly good, mostly positive mm-hmm. and that he can keep going from there. So um, that's what you're, that's what we're working on, you know, which is why I hate the phrase, trust the coaches. Coaches make mistakes all the time. If they get them 60% right, it's pretty good. That leaves the other 40% that we get to debate about. Trust the coaches. I trust the coaches and the general managers to do what they think is right. I don't trust them to be right. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the same with uh, not to drag us into this discourse already, but it's the same with uh, the quarterback situation this year. I don't think Vic Fangio purposely played the worst quarterback. I think he did what he thought was right. And we can debate if that ended up being right. But I think the people who are putting on their tinfoil hat saying it was a purposeful sabotage are out of their damn minds. Uh, Vinny J coming in here saying good morning, fellas out out at the dog park with my Husky listening to y'all. Well, tell the Husky hello. Uh, My. Nana passed away last night. Prayers, please go Broncos. Well, shout out to you, Vinny, and uh, your grandma. Hopefully, hopefully you got to say goodbye and everything. And hopefully, you guys. Obviously, if you're asking for a shout out here, you guys had a close relationship. So I'm happy yeah, that sorry, you got to have. Sorry that. to hear that. It's a yeah. tough, tough time of year for. Not that there's any good time of year, but around the holidays, especially stinks. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Uh, Edward coming in. Good morning, Nick and Scott. Greg Smith, aloha to you. Broncos for breakfast. I'm just burnt out on the season. Uh, I feel that, but. Uh, Actually, you know what? I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for the offseason. I'm ready for the excitement of what's new. What's ahead? CC coming in. Good morning, Nick and Scott in Broncos country. Hope you all doing great. To Sean Greg's Burns. point, Monday, su- Sunday starts next season as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You know, so yep. burned out on this season. That final whistle blows. It's next season. Yeah, absolutely. We got Richard in the house saying, do our coaches use our players' talents wrong? Um. Football's so interconnected that it's hard to say exactly if they use some of these guys wrong. Like using Jerry Judy on the jet motion, I think you can argue a lot with what Shermer has done with the pass catchers specifically, that maybe he hasn't used them up to their talents. Um, defensively, uh, I can't really complain with anybody's early in the season when they were using Shelby Harris more as a two gapper and Mike Purcell as a one gapper, and he was getting way too much penetration. They were just kind of getting over that layer of the defense. That was defense using talents wrong, but overall I can't think of anything defensively, but uh, the wide receivers specifically and the tight ends, those are ones where I kind of question the usage of the players. Yeah. And, and for me, you know, we, I was bagging on the offensive line a little bit yesterday and the defensive line for that matter too, just in the trenches. And a lot of it can be better with better play calling, less predictable play calling, better scheming. You can make all those guys look better for sure. Yeah. And some of it is, I mean, the Broncos have been somewhat handicapped with the offensive line and pass protection this year. And they have a quarterback who is both quarterbacks at this point, honestly, they are protecting the ball to the point where maybe there is, there's a line that you have to, there's a line you have to toe where you're overly aggressive and versus getting the, 
the both of your playmakers. Like there's a coach that I listen to former Iowa head coach um, who says like, you're not going to create explosive plays unless you're looking to create explosive plays. You know, they don't just happen. So you have to go out there and push the envelope. Obviously that might put the ball in harm's way a little bit, but you still need to create some explosive plays and get those chunk yards. So uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough situation. Maybe they just don't have the talent. Other thing is, you know, we'll find out with the quarterback position, but maybe, us being as close to the situation we are, we're all like, oh, Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton, they took discounted deals. Maybe they're not as good league-wide perceived as we, me, perceive them. That's a that's a possibility. Um, well, Sutton, uh, Sutton is almost is a little bit of a gamble coming off the injury. You know, yeah. if he'd had back-to-back seasons like he did uh, a couple years ago before his injury, he, you'd be thinking definitely discount. So that was. That was part of that. And that's that's a little bit of loyalty, a little bit of a risk, and a little bit of a risk on both parts. And you know, but you know, when you're talking several million dollars, life changing. He's gonna money. be he's gonna be okay. You know, yeah. he's gonna be okay. Uh Miguel coming in with some stars here also saying, Good morning, fellas. What did y'all think of what Melvin Gorvin had to say yesterday? Loved it, Nick. Yeah, Gordon talking about coming back, loving the team. Um, talking about how Shermer has done a good job of getting the running backs in rhythm. And I agree. Uh, I actually mm-hmm. think, you know, Shermer gets deserved blame for a lot of what's going on on the offense. But I think how he's used the running backs Dallas game and onwards has been about as good as you could hope considering the deficiencies on this team around the running backs. Now um, the last two weeks where the run game has completely fallen apart. I need to go back and watch the all 22. I have not done that for either game yet just because they've been so painful. I haven't brought myself to do that. I'm choosing joy. I'm not watching those games a third time from the all 22 coaches film. Not yet. Um, But what's, what's going on with the run game too. I do think this is a, a Teddy Bridgewater getting into the right looks situation. Is this a, they're not allowing Drew Locke to audible from stacked boxes situation. Cause the running ball has been running. The football has been dreadful with Drew Locke. Um, and I know that a lot of people are saying, well, that's a big excuse for why the team has been bad. Even though Drew well, Locke and the fine, question but, was, well, it, it should back people off of the, the running game because of the threat to go downfield. Well, it's worked the opposite on that. So my big question, and we mentioned this last week, my big question on Drew Locke is what is he like pre-snap? I don't know. That would be, if I had the answer to that, that to me is, you know, we mentioned your troubleshooting says, you know, my refrigerator is not cold, you know? Okay. Well, is it plugged in? You know, if I, is there, is there power to it? If I don't, if I don't know that, then it doesn't matter what else is going on. Yeah. So if, if, if he's not getting guys in the right position or helping, at least helping, then it doesn't really matter. You know, if you're not checking out of obvious run situations, et cetera, et cetera, and making those right reads, you're putting yourself in a bad situation. And for us to grade Drew Locke, that's a a missing part that, and and not just Drew Locke, any quarterback. Yeah, we don't necessarily know that um, yeah. because that's that's one thing that we're we're not talking about for sure. That doesn't get talked about from uh, inter- the the inside, from coaches, from players. Yeah, and I want to give a shout out to. Uh... We had some back and forth last year on the quarterback class, and I'm really excited to see what Trey Lance can do forward. He was a big Zach Wilson, uh, Mac Jones guy. I was a big Trey Lance guy. Um, but uh, Tim Jenkins, who played quarterback in the league for a little bit, talked about like, how, why could why could Teddy win? He's like, well, one thing that Teddy has that Drew Locke might not have is the ability to get in the right run checks and the just setting the offense up for the right play based on what the, the front looks and the defensive packages look like. And uh, so far, the Broncos run game has just disappeared. So there's got to be, there's got to be something to why the Broncos run game has disappeared like it has, because they went from a top bordering on a top five unit to bottom five these last two weeks. So, so no, and, it, and it's not hard. I mean, it's going back to giving, you know, giving credit to Shermer. I think the the running back rotation has been, been really good. Mm-hmm. I and mean, that's not hard. <laughs> no, two that, good backs. That's, that's not hard. You got two yeah. good running backs, split the carries, you know, that's, that ain't rocket science, dude. Yeah. No, absolutely. We got Nival coming in here saying Drew Locke makes it very hard to dislike him. He has it. I think we should give him a fair season with the new offensive coordinator, Fangio, and Shermer botched his development. And then also Nival comes in and says uh, Locke is salvageable and better than the quarterbacks in this we'll, class. We'll come back. I was at nine thirty six on my on my uh, coming down the supers. I know uh, Percy. I wanted to give him a shout out for some stars, okay. but yeah. you know when I see red, I'm going red. So when Go I'm red. going red, when I see red, we're going to jump down to red. So I need to get back up to uh, we're at. What about 936 uh, on the chat uh, coming yeah. back down through supers and stars. But when I see red, we're going to, we're going to jump forward to the red. Ethan coming in here says for Scott's 30 minute talking filibuster yesterday. I appreciate it. I was a little embarrassed with my voice was starting to give out. You, you, you know, it, a lot of it comes with experience. You go back and you're watching. You're like, dude, take a breath. It's okay. You're just relax. Take yeah. a breath. But 
as you're going and you're reading and you're going back and forth and you're like, I don't even have time to take a, a drink of water. And then I get down lower and people are saying, dude, take a break. Nick's here. <laughs> it's it really is a difference doing it by yourself, though, Yeah, because it's just we're really comfortable just to sit here and talk football with somebody else, especially when we're on the same page and a lot of times are discussing it. But uh, that's uh, by yourself. It, it's wow. I didn't know I could talk for 30 minutes without breathing. Um, and, thank you uh, so much, and, Ethan. Gosh. And uh, Ethan picked up my reference of Antonio Brown and John and, and John Bender on the Breakfast Club. I can always count. On, I, I can always tell who the people that are within, you know, who are the Gen Xers in here uh, based on the movie quotes and, and who gets that. That said, I think, you know, I, I, it's so weird to me when I think about how old I am and how you know young my kids are. And if I go back, you know, 20 years from when I was 11 years old, man, I was black and white TV. You know, oh 20 years from now is 2000. You know, things haven't changed that much in that 20 years. You know, it's from, you know, 1950 to 1980, that 30 years between 1990 and 2020, that was a big, big difference between 50 and 80. Mm -hmm. So you should know the Breakfast Club is what I'm trying to say. I don't care if you are a, a Gen Xer. You should absolutely know the Breakfast Club. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good one. Um, Nival coming back in and saying, uh, talking about keeping lock of the as opposed to a 2022 rookie quarterback. Um, we are not in a win down mode. We have a few holes we need to fill on defense and offense. Draft picks are needed. Um, if you get a chance at Rodgers or Wilson, those guys can plug holes and give you a chance. That's the point of having a franchise quarterback. Doesn't have to be perfect around them to be successful. You still want to improve the roster, no doubt, but quarterback's the number one question. This team has enough talent right now that if you have a shot at one of those guys, you should swing. Um, as far as Locke versus quarterbacks in this class, on the surface, I don't hate what you're saying because I'm I'm trying really hard to love one of these quarterbacks in this class, and I just cannot bring myself to do it right now uh, for a, a top 20 pick. Like they, They're all – I mean, I would love every single one of them day two. Those They look like classic day two picks that are like, oh, hell, hell yeah. I have Derek Carr with one year left on his contract, and I can take a rookie quarterback who is a lotto ticket. That's That'd be amazing because um, then I could have a, a chance to have a new, cheaper franchise quarterback and move on from Derek Carr or something like that. Um, but as far as uh, – Locke versus the quarterbacks in this class. The big hangup is Locke only has one year left on his contract. One of these quarterbacks you're going to get for four or five years and you reset that clock. I think that's a big topic of conversation for how the team sets up the cap, the direction going forward. It's just with Locke one year left and you still don't know. Well, I mean, you kind of know what he is, but you don't know if he's a viable option, I guess is the way to put it. Um, that's just a really dangerous game to play. Peter coming in with some stars too, and, and getting getting back on that one. You know, I saw that deserves a shot or, or deserves a chance to be backed on lock. You know, he deserves a, a chance, yeah, but not you know the position by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Bring in some competition, some a legit competition, and 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 have at it. And if he if he wins a job, great. The it factor. Um, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna tie this one into Peter's stars comment here. Peter, appreciate the stars. Um. I, I love what how Drew Locke's been handling himself in uh, mm -hmm. press conferences lately. You know, he's he's saying all the right things. He always maturing, has, mostly becoming an NFL quarterback. You know, that's that's all part of it. Um, he's he's young to the league, but he's not that young, is he? Mm -hmm. He's he's kind of on the older side, isn't he? I think he's going to be. He might be twenty six next year, um, which is not like old old but uh he's not uh he's not like yeah. 20 years old he didn't, like he didn't enter the league at 20 years old as a third year guy <clears throat> but uh peter middleton says give me good reasons with uh with with the stars here it says give me three good reasons why fangio should stay i could only come up with two off the top of my head and they were weak um, um defensive continuity uh is a is a positive the defense is, is still good the defense still does a good job um Talk about complimentary football. How much better would the defense be if they were getting help from the offense? Uh, it's not usually quite as drastic a change in, in in the pros, but if you watch a college team that's got a really good defense and a crap offense, oh my God. it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time before that defense folds. You know, from a mental standpoint, from a physical standpoint, you just you just can't keep it at that level for for sixty minutes. They, I don't want to say give up, but they get beat down. Mentally, mm -hmm. physically, emotionally, they get beat down, and it ends up being a three-score game, no matter how good that defense is. Um, if the offense is, when you consider a three and out with no negative yardage, a positive outcome, and that's specifically how I remember the 1998 Auburn Tigers. They went three and out and punted. I consider that a positive. That was, that was how bad their offense was. Their defense was lights out. 
Yeah. I think they went, you know, five and six because their offense was so bad um, that the mm. defense will eventually wither. That's one, two. Um, I mentioned Drew Locke. I said I'm going to tie this into this comment. The maturation of Vic Fangio as a head coach, uh, he was still a young head coach. Not a young man, but a young head coach. From that Dallas game where I was just super cringeworthy in how he acted in a win there, I think he's actually handled the media and talking about his players and the the the, the game and his opponents much better. That shows growth. So is he having an upward trajectory? Like I said, the second one was really weak. Uh, and then third, I don't know. I don't have a third. Money. Third would be money. You're you're gonna have to pay him anyway. He's got a he's got one year left on his deal. Uh, it's gonna be seven figures. So, um, you you save a little money. So the the second one's weak and the third one's weak. I don't have a whole lot of good good reasons to keep Vic Fangio. Yeah, his his game management has not improved that much uh, over the years, which has been an issue for him. I know first year head coach or first time head coach, but still, that's that's frustrating. Uh, does I don't think he garners much affection's the wrong word, but like loyalty and mm-hmm. love from his players in the locker room. Um, which it's the NFL, you know, if you have, if you're, if you have to have your head coach be a cult of personality, odds are your players aren't good enough to get it done anyway. Um, this isn't high school or college. No, so you that- need fear or respect, if not love and respect, yeah. you know, and, you and need he's, something he's, I think there's begrudging respect for the defensive mind that yeah, he has. I think there's some, but he's, they, he hasn't handled the man management aspect of this job very well. From what I've seen, I think he's getting better. I think he is improving. I think he's getting better. You know, I mean, the the, the, the most drastic case on this is, is Drew Locke. He's petty. He's been petty with how he talks about Drew Locke in the past. Yeah. Um, it's like, dude, you're a you're a grown man. You're 60. You're a man. Be an you adult. Know, take the high road. You know, be yeah. be the bigger man in this case. And uh, you know, I don't think he he always has. No, he's he's a football gremlin. I think the people like that's probably one of the reasons it took him this long to get this opportunity is because he'd get an interview and people were like, oh, Vic Fangio, that guy is brilliant, defensive mind. That dude is gruff. Like, God, you opened up the door and like he hisses you, at the you light. You want him to be the first the first person you talk to and the mouth the mouthpiece for your franchise? Yep. Probably not. Or do the players um, connect to him across the board? Like, can can an offensive lineman connect to Vic Fangio? Uh, I don't know. I and other I guess. Again, I keep coming back to it's the ownership situation. If there is, there's obviously some inroads already being made for who the next owner will be. Maybe there's some dialogue between who the league thinks it'll be and the Broncos. So you can get some decision, uh, at least information there. But the biggest thing is that what is the security going to be like for that new head coach being brought in? If a, you have a owner comes in that wants to be, you know, thumb on the pulse of everything and you get a, change you get it a George Payton deal. You yeah. know, you get a six year deal that's going to pay you out and say, okay, listen, I got a, I get a I get a five year deal fully guaranteed, and you're gonna pay me out four years if you want to make a change. And by the way, I had a good year, and I can get a job next time. So yeah. I can double dip. I get 15 million to put in the bank as a as a as a going away present, and I had a good season. If I believe in myself and my abilities, and I believe in this roster, the ownership doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So, Give me a contract that I can feel safe with. Give me a roster that I like. Give me a good working environment with my general manager, and let's go to work. Ownership yeah. doesn't matter. So overpay somebody. Is what you're saying to to secure them, but when you're talking about three billion dollars for yeah. you know the Denver Broncos, ten million dollars is it's a rounding error, you know yeah. if you don't think you got the right guy. Yeah. If you do, then you're not overpaying. If you do have the right guy, he's priceless. Yeah, yeah, it's a risk. It's, a, it's, all, it's all a risk. And, yeah. and Greg says, "Aloha, Greg." Uh, says, "Can we do Black Sunday instead of Black Monday with the Saturday game?" Uh, I, I think it'll hold over until Monday. I really do. If we get to Tuesday without any change, then I'm starting to go, what's going yeah. on? Then I'm starting yeah. to, then, then I'm starting to get a little panicky. Don't worry about Sunday. Let everything happen. Come to the office, clean out on a Monday. We're going to take Sunday off, reflect, take the day off. Then we'll fire you. Yeah. We got Dylan Von Arks in the house. Good morning, Broncos country. Good to see you, Dylan. Uh, we got Juan coming in. Good morning, gentlemen. I commented yesterday and I said, I didn't see a change coming because of ownership issues, but now I see Vic coming back because of his relationship with Peyton. It does seem like those two guys have a good relationship and uh, either way, maybe this is going to be a, you know, they're kind of scratching each other's back here, but maybe Vic Fangio talking about Peyton and the team in general is Peyton's going to give him a, a letter of recommendation 
out the door saying, yeah, this guy, you know, maybe didn't work out here as an offensive coordinator. I think he should get another chance somewhere, maybe at some point being a head coach, but damn defensive brilliance, what he was able to do. And let's make no mistake about it. The Broncos front seven this year ravaged by injury. They are just, they're not a good front seven that secondary and Vic Fangio's scheme has put them in a situation where they can, uh, they're going to finish top five in points per game. Maybe not the best in the world because their efficiency metrics aren't good, but still, I was gonna say, that front seven you know, when bad. you're dealing with less possessions, the points aren't necessarily the best indicator when you're playing, uh, use a soccer phrase here, suffer ball. Suffer ball oh. makes sense in this. <laughs> we're talking about this. It's like, okay, they just went on a 12th play, eight minute drive. Great. You know, Three we points. went on a five minute drive with no points and punted it back to them. Now it's the second quarter, yep. you know, and it's seven nothing. So, Scott, you understand what efficiency means because, my God, I've been talking with Broncos country all season about the points per possession dis- discussion, and uh, it's been way over the heads. It's driving no, it's me absolutely really insane. <laughs> like I said, I'm going to – if I have to overthink it, then I don't even want to talk about it because yeah. it, you're not going to reach – you know, we're not, we're not talking to 20-year offensive coordinators and stuff. We're talking to people like us. Yeah. And it's real simple. If you can't get somebody off the field and it takes them 10 to 12 minutes to score, but they do score, you're going to lose, but they're not going to score a lot of points. Yeah. That's real easy. Yeah. You're right. Basketball. You know, if I'm running the shot clock down every time, but I score every time I'm going to win. Uh, I mean, Scott, you're preaching to the choir here, but, uh, this is a discussion we've had all, all season that has not been uh, received or understood. Oscar (laughs) coming in saying the wisest men on mile high huddle. And this one killed me here. Um, Oscar, that would be Chad and Zach. So uh, different flavors for different folks. So we appreciate the comment, Oscar. I would not claim myself to be the wisest man on here, um, but uh, we appreciate that you enjoy just hanging out with us. We appreciate you. Muhammad coming in. Facebook. Yeah. Hell yeah. Good morning. Good good morning to you, Muhammad. And Malik, hope you're, hopefully you're doing well. I've been enjoying reading some of the comments on your uh, Facebook group as well. So hopefully you guys aren't getting get a bit too upset with the uh, conversation today about uh, Vic Fangio potentially being back. But uh, we'll see. We got Nico coming in here too. Uh, what free agents do you think the Broncos will target other than a quarterback? This is a tough one. Um, the positions that immediately jump out to me for the Broncos are the ones where you're Obviously, you're going to have holes. So right tackle is one you're going to probably see them look at. I would assume they're going to look at uh, maybe a uh, off-ball linebacker because you have two guys of your own that are going to be free agents there. And then some sort of defensive back as well. I would be fine retaining all of the guys that you're kind of losing there, essentially like Bob, for their short borderline starter deals, like Bobby Massey for one year, $4 million, $5 million. Okay, that gives you flexibility where you're not going to be you know, pants around your ankles come the regular season of the draft um, where you're in trouble, um, but you still can upgrade the position in the draft. Same with Bryce Callahan at Nickelback. Same with uh, Joseph Jewel at linebacker. But those are the positions that stick out to me. Yeah. And last year in January, before the first time uh, Chad invited me to come on, I said, well, what are your, what are your needs? And we can talk draft. And he says, cornerback. And he said something else. And then in, in the third row, he put cornerback. So I'm like, okay, well, Pat Sertan makes the most sense where you're picking. He should, he, you got a chance of him should be available. Then you went and spent a bunch of money on cornerbacks and free agency. Yeah. So and you still draft corner. So when I'm looking at this, the draft needs to me are very similar to the free agency needs. You know, where can you, where can you make your upgrades? Can you make them in free agency? If not, can you make them in the draft? But you know, right tackle edge, you've got a, you've got a, I, I think you need at least two new edge guys um, out there to come in. Um, that are going to push and maybe it's not a low signing bonus type of thing where you can, you can make some changes, but I think you're shopping for edge guys, you're shopping for tackles, and then you're shopping for, you know, just good players. You, you need interior linemen. You can never have too many uh, interior linemen on either side of the ball. So, but my, for me, it's the same thing. Your biggest needs, right tackle, edge rusher, quarterback. Yep. I would add a defensive back in there as well. Cause you're losing three of your top seven guys and depth in the defensive backfield mm-hmm. is those are the guys that play the most of your snaps out there. Um, Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson. Yeah, they don't come off the field. You know, they don't you look come at snap the counts. There's very little rotation in the secondary. It's, so you need those guys. You need f- seven deep there, and you're losing a lot of guys. So I know there'll be some eye rolls in here, but I really think that a if the best player available with your first pick is a defensive back, you just you know you say you smile and nod and say, okay, well we got another piece that we're gonna love for the next decade um and i'd say defensive back because i'm including kyle hamilton with mm-hmm. the uh two or three corners that are belong in the conversation of where denver will be picking but uh we'll see how it works out um we got chris in here good morning to you chris 
Kaleon in here. Yo, Kaleon. good morning, guys. That seems like a, a new name. And, no, Kaleon's um, around. Kaleon's around. Okay, it's a, it's a new name to me, so welcome and appreciate the stars. So coming in with some some stars on on his good morning. So thank you, Mister Green. Yeah, thank you, Mister Green. We got Ashton's in the house too. Yo, yo to you, Ashton. Um, we got some talk here about the quarterback class in, uh, right now. Matt Corral. Uh, I think he had a high ankle high ankle sprain in that game with uh, the Sugar Bowl. Was it a high ankle sprain? You know, I forgot to go back and look. Um, I was just annoyed that he was hurt. It, yeah. it, it just irritates me the selfishness that fans and have, and the, it, the fans are selfish when they mm-hmm. say, you know, these guys don't need to transfer, they don't need to play. You know, they they need to do this, they need to do that. That's for their own benefit because they help their team. Yeah, the hypocrisy coming from the media people who are yeah. working for the broadcast that depend on their living—that hypocrisy drives me really crazy. I mean, the inevitable outcome, even though the semifinals and the college football playoff have been trash, the inevitable outcome is that they're going to expand the playoffs to have more meaningful games to have more guys play. And eventually, maybe you see guys like from Alabama and Georgia well, and whatever. I, I, think I, was, I was against the playoffs forever, for most of my life, until it was the season that LSU got invited with two losses. Uh, it was kind of a wonky season. It was like 08, I think. I'm like, all right, the regular season's already been compromised. You know, yeah. when you're going to 13, 14 games, it's really impossible. Well, completely impossible to go 11 and 0 with 13 games. Yeah. But, you know, you used to demand perfection from your champions. Now we're going with eh, okay, that's good yeah. enough to get you in, but you know, I said from the beginning, I wrote this in 2008. This is pretty easy. You go eight teams because there was I think six conferences at the once. You go six conference champions, two at large bids. And um you have to put the four quarterfinals at the four biggest bowls because Old dudes who have power and money aren't going to give it up. So you have to make sure that they are still having power and money. Now, mm-hmm. would you rather watch Candace Virginia Tech in the Orange Bowl as the Big 12 and the ACC? I watched that game, by the way, um, as uh, you know the, the winners in there. Or would you rather watch that as a quarterfinal where the winner goes to the semis? Now I'm interested. Yeah. So that, that, that's how you, you take the four big bowls and you turn it into an 18 playoff and mm-hmm. we'll go to work. But... The fact of the matter is, you know, when these guys sitting there making their six and seven figures in the booth at ESPN or whatnot, whose livelihood depends on this game, are deriding a kid for saying, you know what? I don't want to go play a meaningless exhibition where the school's going to bank another seven figures and I could lose eight figures. Come on, man. That's good math. That's just that's just smart. I, I, I respect their decision if they decide that they don't want to they don't want to play uh, a meaningless exhibition game. Yeah. Nothing drives two me months before the three months before they're supposed to, you know, get drafted. I get yeah. it. Yeah, totally. I never fault the kid for that. Um, also the thing that drives me nuts is fans getting mad when players declare early. Like it's just typically your really old curmudgeon fans on social medias, but like, like, Oh, he should finish his education. It's like, the school's not going anywhere. Your chance to get drafted and make my life-changing money is so yeah. Seven, you know, a million dollars will buy a lot of, uh, a, a lot of classes. Like I said, yeah, it's very tough. selfish. It's, it's, it, it hurts me that you're not going to play for my team anymore. It hurts me that you've chosen that you don't want to play for my team anymore. I'm um, just, I'm what so Joe so Klatt said is free agency every year. You know, you saw, I saw you like this yeah. tweet, you know, with yeah. one year with um, the transfer portal, these guys are free agencies every year. Well, guess what? scholarships only a one-year deal always has been why shouldn't they be free agents after every year if you're not going to give them a two three-year four-year scholarship you know let's go the baseball route baseball figured this out a long time ago sorry we're completely off topic here <laughs> coffee is going in i've been fired up all morning baseball figured this out a long time ago you can get drafted five times five if you go to a four-year school as a freshman you have to stay there three years before you're draft eligible great great that works. Otherwise, you know, you can you can go to a junior college, you can you can uh, and get drafted after your junior college year. But if you're going to these schools, you know, why make why put the risk on the kid instead of the billion dollar industry? The risk is on Major League Baseball to make sure that I give you, Nick, a package that says I want you to give up your last year at Iowa and I'm going to give you a million dollars to do it. Now you got a decision to make, not hey, I, I really want to come play for you guys. I'm going to quit football now at college. Do you like me? No. Well, crap. Now I'm not allowed to play anymore. That's, yeah. that's BS. Yeah. It's exploitive. Especially right. when the coaches can do whatever they Get want. Get off my lawn. Um, but uh, Matt Corral, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, Kenny Pickett, Carson Strong, Sam Howell, Peyton needs to get one of them. Um, one of those guys is going to be there day two. And if that's your route of action, then hell yes. Sign me up. Um, 
I'm not committed to that guy any more than I'd be committed to that guy less than the Broncos were committed to Drew Locke. Uh, where Drew Locke got games in over three separate seasons to figure out if he can get it done. Um, no, you get one season, uh, if that, and it's, uh, you gotta be showing progress. And even if you are showing progress, I'm still looking in 2023 because I am very much a accumulation of quarterbacks mode right now, uh, shotgun method. So, um, that's where I'm at. I also want to give a shout out my sleeper quarterback in this class. I did like the tools of Hendon hooker. He's a little bit inaccurate down the field with a name like that. Come on. He's fun. Um, I, I really like, uh, I'm pulling tennis. I want Tennessee to be good again. I kind of like that program, the volunteers. Um, but, uh, Hennon hookers down there. He's going to return, I think. So my, you, you come AT- South, I'll change your mind on Tennessee. <laughs> I, I, Smoky mountains are beautiful. I like good, uh, the barbecue there, but, uh, anyway, um, however, not into country music, Nashville can, uh, miss me with that one. Um, but no, the Knoxville's quarterback. Awesome. I love my, but Knoxville's a great town. Knoxville, I love Knoxville. I, Knoxville the Vol Army is one of the coolest things I've ever done. If you don't know what the Vol Army or the Vol Navy is, I'm sorry. The Vol oh, Navy, the, the river runs right by the stadium. And uh, it's a it's a river you can actually navigate. So there's a lot of big money boats that are out there. And everybody just ties them together. You know, so it's yeah. a it's a total collaborative effort. You tie them together and make this big floating dock and walk across these million dollar yachts. Yeah. You know, say hello to everybody and, and get off. And then you go home and you take your boat home. It's yeah. You know, justification for higher education was the old poster because that's uh, it, it's like I got to do that. Friend of mine up there has more money than he knows what to do with, and uh, mm. came from money, and we had a had a lot of fun out there. I bet, yeah, no, it's a good time. I've been to Party Cove in uh, Lake of the Ozarks before, so I kind of know what that life is like. Um, my guy, though, yeah, day you get two, to go to a football, three. an SEC football oh, game. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah for sure. Um, my guy, uh, Western Michigan, Caleb Ellerby. Uh, tools, big, big guy throws the ball around the yard. They have a good wide receiver there in sky Moore as well, but, uh, that's a quarterback that I like to give a shout out to as well. Maybe not. He's not in the list of those six that you listed, but, uh, watch out for Caleb Ellerby. Uh, we got Miguel coming in here saying, I know Zach and Chad didn't care for this, but I think Quinn and Peterson would be a good combo. I think Quinn as head coach and Doug as an employed. I think he might be willing to take an OC job. What do you think? Uh, Peterson is not coming back for anything less than a head coaching gig. He is a super bowl winning head coach. And it sounds like he is going to be one a, in the coaching cycle this year where essentially Peterson's going to pick where he goes versus a team, uh, a team saying yes or no to him. So I think you're probably a little off with Peterson. Um, those two guys probably will not be paired. And, and Miguel, I think that's why they didn't like it. Cause it's just, it, it doesn't seem possible. Yeah. That'd be great. Shoot. Yep. Have uh have Peterson come in, be the head coach and bring Quinn in as a defensive coordinator. You know, he ain't leaving Dallas as a defensive coordinator either for anything other than a head coaching job. So yep. I just don't think it's realistic. Um, I, I like the idea of, of Doug Peterson as a head coach. Um, talk about, I, I think he would bring instant respect. And, and, and Kayleon comes in here talking about, you know, the coaching changes and stuff. So the coaches have lost the locker room. Trust me, I was at the last two games. And and you do. When you're there, uh, appreciate the comment. You get an idea as you're watching the sidelines and watching the body language and watching them respond. Mm-hmm. You know, when a coach comes up, it's a little different with, uh, well, one, Fangio doesn't talk to any players. Two, the guys in the booth don't get to talk to any players. So who's actually talking to the players on the sidelines? You know, you get some headsets on, but, you know, you get a, an offensive line coach come up and start talking to them and, you know, they, you know, they're, they're get all glassy eyed. You know, those are the kind of things you get to see in person. So appreciate the, the heads up report. Um, and I, I, I think you're right here. I really do. Yeah. No, that's a, it's going to be rough, but we'll see what's happening there. We got, uh, Mesh Meshanker coming in from Austria. So uh, good morning to you um, out there in Austria. I've been to Austria before. Beautiful Vienna. Seeing the garden. Mexicaner. <laughs> that one's way off. I always think of Pulp Fiction. You know, what's your name mean? I'm American, honey. Our names don't mean, hmm, you know. I'm, is this Austria, though? I, I, I guess I put the O in there or the S in there with my my brain. The, the color on the right looks like the Austria... Uh, the red and white flag. So maybe, well, either way, good morning to you. Good to see you. Um, we got some people saying you can't really count on Chubb for the Broncos. Uh, that's you talk about the addresser position too. That's one. The Broncos are definitely going to have to get after um, Scott. I don't, I don't mean this personally, but I am a giant Falcons fan this week because the Falcons <laughs> and the Broncos draft needs line up almost too perfectly. And uh, I really do not want to be taking, I don't want to be drafting after the Falcons. Cause I think you're pro- you're going to end up taking the guy I want. And that's going to make me irate. Well, you never know. Um, it's true. I just, I don't want the Falcons to get stupid and, and reach. I don't think they will. I mean, if they if if Terry Fontenot had the fortitude to take Kyle Pitts at the four spot um, and not bow to the pressure of taking a quarterback, um, 
or a, a different building block, but say, listen, we're in a rebuild and we're going to take this 20 year old freak again, that matters to me. You know, I, I mentioned, you know, we mentioned Calvin Ridley, you know, Calvin turned 24 his rookie season, you know, Kyle Pitts started at 20 years old. You know, they should have him for 15 years. If you've got the ownership that, that in a, in a structure in place that he wants to stay, you certainly be able to pay him. Um, so a lot of things line up about the same for the Falcons and Broncos where, you know, edge, it's gotta be edge. It's gotta be right tackle. It's gotta be cornerback. Uh, one of those three spots should, should be available. Um, but there should be enough in here that if we're, if, if the Falcons and Broncos are drafting back to back, you pretty much know Falcons are looking at three guys, whichever one they don't take, the Broncos might take the one right after that. Yeah. I just, uh, I just see a scenario where, uh, you're picking nine and the Broncos are picking 10 or something like that. And uh, Kyle Hamilton falls to nine and I'm sitting there just praying and crossing every hair I have. And uh, Kyle Hamilton snatched off the board right before us. That would make me very mad, Scott. Um, Peter Middleton come in and who out of the potential head coaches named by the media, wouldn't you want? And why? Well, uh, hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not going to say no to any of these guys. The thing is with, with head coaches, unless they've done something egregious, um, I do not, I don't have an overly emotional response because I don't know the guys that I don't have like tape or film to evaluate those guys. Like I do players. I'm very much a believer that it is a Jimmy's and Joe's league and great players. Obviously coaching matters, but you're talking about like 10%, like a good coach is going to improve that player by 10%, which when the league is as competitive as it is um, that matters, but like the player is still going to be who it is. It's not like if uh, Drew Locke was playing with the chiefs, he'd be Patrick Mahomes. No, that's just not, that's not reality. That's not how it works. Um, so for me, it's more about the players and whatnot. So I don't really have a strong um, anti or a vendetta against a coach that they want to bring in. Um, there are some philosophies that maybe scare me a bit uh, with coaches like um, with Dan Quinn, you know, you want to be, I, I think the cover three essentially is dead right now. Um, and as far as NFL being the main defense, there's too many good cover three beaters right now. Uh, the chiefs are pretty much, if you, especially against the goddamn chiefs, you play cover three against the chiefs, you're going to get your, but whipped. Um, you just can't do it. So Dan Quinn, he's played less cover three this year, um, which has been great. Um, and so that's smart enough to adjust schemes. To, you have to, to do what's going to work. He's a yeah. good defensive coordinator. Yep. That's what you want. Um, so that's one thing I just want to make sure that these like key tenants and whatnot, you're not married to your scheme. Like uh Raiders defense has played better the last few weeks, but like Gus Bradley, he is going to go out playing cover three. God help him. He does not care. If you're putting up 50 points on me, Casey, doesn't matter. I'm playing cover three again. Um, so that kind of drives me insane. Those are the kind of things that scare me. But as any specific head coach, I don't know. Um, I guess I do want to give a shout out in the other way. Um, I wouldn't mind Jim Caldwell. Also, I know that he's a little bit old guard, but uh, he is beloved. And also, he is a uh, former Iowa Hawkeye. So uh, Jim Caldwell, giving you a shout. I've actually met Jim Caldwell a few times and talked to him. Um, one of those people who, you know, he's busy, he's doing things, but he is all the time in the world for you at that moment to talk with you and actually listen to you, which goes a long way. Um, from a personal standpoint, it, it would, <clears throat> I don't know that I want to see Dan Quinn here. Cause I really like Dan Quinn and I don't want to see him, you know, guys fail. It's the same reason my favorite, as y'all know, my, my favorite international football team is, is Chelsea. Uh, the most famous American footballer is Christian Pulisic. He went to Chelsea. That makes me nervous. I'm like my favorite guy is going to my favorite club. What if he fails? And now all these people hate my favorite player. It's, you know, that makes me a little bit nervous. So from a personal standpoint, but I do think Quinn would would be a is going to be a good head coach the second time around. I really do. Um, my question is, what are your goals? You know, really, what are your goals? Because this, this goes it was asked a question. So if you want to win, take advantage of this roster for the next three years. Is Kellen Moore the right guy? You know, does he have the chops at this point in his life and his career? to lead a team like this, um, does he have enough under his belt where he's got the the track record of success? I mentioned, you know, Joe Brady, you know, Joe Brady hasn't done squat. The fact that he was getting head coaching interviews just blew my mind last year, you know, and then he's fired and it's, you know, doesn't even make it through a year, a second year as an offensive coordinator. I'm like, uh, exactly. You know, just cause you had Joe Burrow at LSU when you can out talent everybody, but Alabama on your roster doesn't mean that you're a head, an NFL head coach for God's sakes. Um, I mean, he also had uh, Jamar Chase and uh, Justin Jefferson, who are arguably two of the <laughs> best. What, like I'm saying, pass catching rookies. When ever. you can out talent 
three quarters, you know, not even three quarters, everybody but Alabama. And even that, depending on the year, because LSU, LSU gets some, get some players for sure. Yeah. Um, college you know, football is more about the recruiting than it is yeah, the, the, exit, the coaching. That's where it makes it hard to go get a college guy. Don't get a college guy yeah. from a power program. Go look in the Mac, you know, yeah. go, go look where you actually have to, to develop and scheme, not just line up and run people over. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I honestly, I don't know enough about the, I haven't dug into the skeletons in the closet in each one of these guys yet uh, to say, Oh, I don't want that guy. Um, right now, the idea of something new, no matter who it is, feels good. Yeah. <laughs> it all, oh. it all feels good. It all feels good. Yeah. The one I guess I will push back on, not just because I think, I think he'd be fine if you did bring him in, but the one that I just can't see happening in Denver, given his past is uh, Eric Bieniemy with the chiefs. Um, he has some, apparently had some issues with, uh, co-eds while he was in Boulder, um, with, with the Colorado program. So I don't think he is coming back to the state of Colorado anytime soon, other than an opposition coach, uh, David Crespin coming in here saying, do you think Fangio is a conservative defensive coach? Looks like we don't blitz often to create turnovers. Um, this is a multifaceted question, man. We could really dig deep on this one. Uh, as far as blitzing goes, I think blitzing in general in the NFL is, uh, Sending five plus guys, I think, is somewhat over. Now, I will say that Vic Fangio, with how he rushes the passer, I wish there was a little bit more ingenuity there. Um, like with, in the Raiders game two weeks ago, the beautiful strip sack that we had from Shelby Harris was a on a twist and stunt, and we have not seen many of those this season. Now, part of that is because the Broncos' run defense has been so bad on first and second down that you don't have those third and longs where you can get a little bit more creative with your pressure packages, but I don't, I'm not really a big advocate of blitzing just to blitz. Uh, I think you leave yourself really vulnerable on the back end with more guys there and with how good quarterbacks are at the pre-snap stuff these days and how explosive you are in the spread. I just, I don't think the risk is worth it for blitzing just to blitz also the quick pass game. So uh, I want guys who can do the Indiana Jones style of rushing where their length, you keep them in the pocket. You have too many bodies in the back end, and eventually they're going to make a mistake. Um, even, obviously, some guys are going to eventually get home too, but I don't think blitzing just to blitz is something that I'm an advocate of. No, you got to you got to pick your spots. I think he has. I don't I don't know that he's too conservative. I think he's had to be a little bit of conservative, considering he's had to go through second and third string uh, four players of your front seven all season. You know, we we open this season thinking Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, Josie Jewell. Uh, AJ Johnson, Alexander Johnson, one, two, three, four, gone. You know, that, that changes how you want to do things. Um, and then you, you lose some of those backups too. So, um, if you're running a, a three, four and you've got two edge guys, if one of them is a plus, you should be fine. You know, if, if Von Miller's out there getting 12 sacks, Bradley Chubb's getting eight to 10, you're not worried about him, uh, how aggressive he's going to be. The, the, the players take care of it. Once you lose those guys, you have to adjust. And I think we've seen some adjustments based on the injuries. So, you know, the defense, I think, is has done overall a pretty good job this year. Yeah, I just don't think they have the, uh, the Jimmys and Joes along the defensive line. The only guy that I think played above, uh, above average this season across the defensive front seven on the whole is probably Draymond Jones. And he is really injured right now with his foot injury. Doesn't look like the same guy he did, but I think Shelby Harris has been league average this year. You're paying for him to be above average. He's been league average. Mike Purcell. I think he's going to be a cap casualty. Your edge rushers are just rotating in and out. And I like Jonathan Cooper a lot, but I think mm -hmm. he's a, he's a good backup a rookie. edge rusher. Yeah. Um, my, and you're, rotating so many linebackers at this point too. So I think it'll be that much better next season, but the front seven has not been dynamic this season. Um, and coming back to the blitzing and the pressure Broncos aren't getting pressure. And I know that a lot of people scoffed at uh, Vance Joseph when uh, he said it years ago, but it's true when you're not playing with the lead, it's pretty hard to get after the gosh darn passer because teams are <laughs> going to put themselves in a situation where they're not vulnerable in that way. They're going to take the three step drops. They're going to take the runs to protect their quarterback. So they don't turn the ball over. So you have to, the offense has to do a better job of putting up points so the defense can pin their ears back. Defense has to do a better job against a run on first and second down. They're one of the worst run defenses in first and second down in the NFL this season. And when it's third and two, it's much harder to get after the quarterback than when it's third and eight. So, and Randy, appreciate the stars. Baldwin Boxing is kind of a new name. So I like the way you guys do your thing. Juan from Texas. So appreciate Thanks, Juan. you, Juan. Uh, we have fun with this. You know, we have fun. Don't take it too seriously. Sometimes we have a, a little more juice than other days. That seemed to be the day for me for some reason. I don't know what got me all fired up, but you know, you start talking about about players and they don't love football Which, yeah, and all this sports. Kind of crap. You know, looking out for themselves. I'm like, you know, just 
put yourself in their shoes just for this long. And that's make that with decision. ESPN too. It's so transparent because the reason there's so many bowls is because teams, this is the worst time of year for college or football or not even sports intake. NBA hasn't really picked up yet. The NHL, the, the eyeballs aren't eyeballs aren't really on there yet. So there's bowl game after bowl game after bowl game to get eyeballs on it for ESPN to help them compete. And now if all these bowl games that they created to fill these TV slots in December and well, pretty much just December are, you know, becoming less and less valuable, they're losing money. So they're going to be screaming about hooting and hollering about these opt outs. Well, it's all was, money. That was always one of the arguments I got was um, that I thought was funny. It's like, oh, there's too many bowl games. Says who? Who cares? Yeah. You know, if, if they're being attended and they're being watched, then there's not too many bowl games. Put in 100. What difference does it matter to you if. Boise State and Idaho are playing in the potato bowl up there. It doesn't matter to me. Who cares? Yep. Now, it's going to matter to the people who are paying for the rights and paying for the production costs. And when they're not sustainable any longer, then there's going to be less bowl games. I mean, I know the C word can be bad, but capitalism, it, it, the market will dictate if there's too many bowl games or not. And right now, there's a course correction coming. Yeah. Yep, we got Shane coming in here. Morning to you, Shane. Um, we also had a question here from uh, DBA. Good morning to you, DBA. Uh, he says, I want Jordan Davis in the first round this year. Haven't had a real big run stuffer like that in too long. Uh, Scott, I know. Th- Man, I, let's just get into it. Let's just do a little draft talk to close out. I can't help it. I, here, can't. Let me say, I want to say hi to Michael again real quick. Michael's okay. coming in with some coffee for us this morning. So, Michael, appreciate you out in Tucson. Good morning, my friend. Uh, and as always, thank you for the support. I might need a throat loss and cheer as we get into Jordan, Jordan Davis. Um, yeah, Jordan Davis, first round. Where? How, how high would you take Jordan? Da- first off, you watched him in the bowl game. Um, mm-hmm. You te- you were texting me during that. I think I was I was at work. I had I have two monitors in my laptop, so I had the game on. I was there plugging away. I'm, I got tasked with all the end of the year banking stuff because we had some change at the front desk. So I've been just like losing my mind with s- spreadsheets. Um, but I'm still here. I think um, I don't even know what day it is, but. Uh, Jordan Davis, the first round, he impressed me a lot. I will say, I think we kind of went back and forth a little bit on this. I had a hard time totally focusing on Jordan Davis, which is hard to say, given he's six, seven and 360 pounds because <laughs> Jalen Carter stole my heart. He's got um, his own gravitational pull. Yeah. J- oh man. But Jalen Carter is, he'd be a top 10 pick in this draft. He is awesome. Anyway, that's for next year. Uh, but Jordan Davis, is he worth it for the Broncos first round pick uh, at 11 overall? Would you say that is proper range valuation based on your, obviously we haven't, dug too deep on these guys, but what you've seen so far. Yes, I would. Okay. And can yeah, you expand at, upon at that? 11, if you're going 11 to 15, anything after the top 10, and even then um, it matters, you know, we'll, we'll, so let's get back to, we talked about the struggles that the Broncos have had on third down. Why, why have we said because of first and second down, mm-hmm. you've got a first down killer right there. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, just, the way and, and so my question on him is he valuable enough to have you know is he scheme dependent because then it ruins his value a little bit is he just a guy that's going to play in the middle um and play he can only play in a three four nose guard well, what if i bring in a four three guy is he out of play no 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 oh man i was watching his initial get off and his push when he was playing in the in the, uh, a three technique coming in and just pushing the guard in the center and his quickness and get off was defensive tackle four three plus so yes his best position is a three four nose card can he be a plus guy at a four three defensive tackle yes what kind of money do those guys make you know those are 20 million dollar guys those are first round guys those are high first round guys on the interior line they're really really hard to find uh if he only plays two snaps you know if he plays first and second down but if he gets you in third and long he's earned his money and then some so Yes, I think he is scheme independent, which puts his value for me up in the high first round. Yeah, the thing for me, it's always comes back to the return on the investment. Uh, Jordan Davis needs to be pretty special to be worth that top pick. Um, but one thing I will say about Jordan Davis is you do have the, the value of certainty. That dude is going to be six, seven, 350 plus pounds. <laughs> Regardless, you know, there's there's not a question of that ability. He is going to be that big and wide. And because of that, like, you know, you're always going to have essentially a, a plus one in the run game in the box because your a gaps are destroyed. There's not we, running it there. We talk about Shelby Harris. OK, well, l- watch what Shelby Harris becomes with Jordan Davis next to him on one side and a plus edge rusher on the other. You know, I mean, we, we talk about a, Malik Reed last year, you know, in his eight sacks. Part of that was 
based on circumstances. Yeah. Shelby Harris is still a good football player. You can mm -hmm. focus on Shelby Harris right now. I can put yep. two guys on him every single play when I've got you know, a, a, a one-legged Bradley Chubb next to him at best, uh, Malik Reed on one side of him. Uh, and on the other side, I, I've got some rotation going on at, at the nose guard position. You know, Shelby Harris is going to be targeted. If I'm scheming on the offensive line, I'm going to say, okay, we got to take, if we're going to go left, we're going to take, we got to take this guy out of the game. So Jordan Davis fixes that. It fixes, it makes your two in a three, four, it makes your two guys beside him better. So um, I want Jordan Davis in the first round DBA. I, and the thing is, he's more than just a big run stuffer. You know, he gets in there with those six, seven arms. He drives a guy three. Yesterday, I spent five minutes talking about resetting the line of scrimmage. This guy sets it back in the quarterback's lap. Yeah. Love him. Love this guy. Yep. yep. The the one thing I will push back on just in general for Denver is, uh, oh, you okay over there? Okay. <laughs> Got the cough mic, cough mute. Um, Conditioning is going to be big for him at mile high. Um, it's going to be big for him regardless because he came in like way too big at Georgia and has had to fight to lose weight um, to keep it down, which is always a concern. And now you're talking about him in an area where it's harder to be conditioned and to play those snaps on the defense. So that might be something where Denver is a little bit trepidatious of taking him early. And uh, I did see you guys. God bless you with the uh, discount version of Jordan Davis and uh, Travis Jones over in UConn. He's going to be down at the senior bowl. He could rocket up boards uh, because teams are really looking for that nose tackle with so many teams copying the Fangio scheme um, and the Staley scheme. But uh, we'll see what happens. Um, where do you think I have Dave? I have my top 20 big board here in front of me. Where do you think Davis is? I don't know. I'm reading Ethan's coming in with a, a shade of red that, that got my attention for sure. Speaking of you, you flash in red like this, uh, with me and then he mentions a bull it kind of works the same way you know what's yeah. hilarious with this my high school soccer coach was exactly like the teacher in in breakfast club i mean mm. spot freaking on john crowers that was him it was ridiculous um but the conversation with fangio and drew Locke, don't mess with the bull young man you'll get the horns you know, and Fangio says under his breath, you know what? I got a longer contract than you. I'll be here longer than you will. I'll wait you out. <laughs> uh, appreciate the uh, appreciate the super, of course. Yeah. Talking about it. I think DBA wants Jordan Davis, too. He yeah. wants Jordan Davis, too. But get back to your question before uh, before I was distracted by big money coming on the screen here. Um, you mentioned your board and where you have them stacked up. Could you repeat that for me, please? I have a top 20 big board here that I've been working on. Um, it's a little bit, it's obviously still a little fluid because I haven't watched every single guy's uh, as much as I'd like, but I have 20 guys here written in front of me for my top 20 big board. Where do you think Jordan Davis falls? 17. He's 12. 12. Okay. That's 12. about right. Yeah. We said yep. 11 or 12. Yep. You know, I so thought you I, might move him down just a little bit, but again, see, I, I watched him just to think, cause I was after the Alabama game, they spread him out and ran all over the place. They're like, okay, maybe not. Um, but you know, not everybody's going to be Alabama. Um, you know, the, the Bryce Young went he, into God mode too. Like that's sometimes yeah. great quarterbacks go into God mode and you can't do a damn thing about it. Yeah. Um, and that happened that game. So. You know, they spread him out and, and throw all over the place, but you're not going to face too many guys like that again. You know, as I heard myself, as I thought it kind of at the same time as, as I said it, I was like, this makes sense. I guess that's why I said it was, you know, we, we complain about the, the the third down conversions on the Broncos because they're always in third and long. Well, mm -hmm. you, you've got a third and long machine right there in the middle of your defense. Um, again, that the, the, the weight is a concern. You know, if, if you get if you get the conditioning, can you stay that way? Can you play at this level for a long time? Um, some of my biggest misses from high school to college have been guys that came in out of shape, running backs, mm -hmm. especially they come yeah. in, they were 220, all of a sudden they show up at 265. Um, you can't predict that type of thing. So if he maintains his, you know, if you're convinced through the interview process, through talking with, uh, his coaches and his work ethic and, you know, how he's done to keep that, then yeah, I think he's worth a, a 10 or so for sure. Yeah. Nope. I have. My top 10, four edge, rush, four edge rushers, four defensive backs, two offensive tackles. 
So it's uh, <laughs> that's where we're at right now. But guys, we got to get on out of here. Um, it is we're already a little bit over. We got Michael coming in with some stars here. Thank you so much, Michael. Double dipping on the stars today, and appreciate everybody who came in and contributed today to the conversation. We talked draft, we talked Vic Fangio, we talked ownership, we talked um, Drew Locke, we talked it, we talked a lot. So uh, thank you guys so much. Um, obviously the Broncos are going to be playing a tough game this week with Kansas City, and probably not going to not going to beat the Chiefs, who have a lot to play for. But that means the Broncos are probably going to be picking in the top 10. I, I don't think every single one of those teams above Denver is going to lose as well. Um, so probably Denver with the top 10 pick in that situation. We'll have a lot of fun with that, whether they keep the pick or not. So uh, thank you guys for joining us. As always, uh, you can find Scott and myself on Twitter. Scott is at scout Kennedy and I am at Nick Kendall MHH. Also make sure you're following us at huddle up pod and at mile high huddle. If you guys are on Facebook, make sure you go and join our communities there. Facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle, as well as facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod. If you guys are on YouTube, uh, first off, you have to have a YouTube account. Go create one right now and then find our page, Mile High Huddle. Go subscribe, like, and share to the show so that way you know when we go live. Um, if you have other Bronco fans out there that say, hey, come hang out with me in the chat. Let's uh, let's gang up on these. Nick Kendall, he's such a Drew Locke hater. Um, I'm here for it. That'd be fun. I have a good time with that. Um, I'm not losing my mind. Uh, so please subscribe, like, and share on YouTube and uh, tell your friends, tell your family. Uh, we'll have a good time. Also, tomorrow, we will be over on Scott's channel to talk a little bit more <laughs> draft and falcons and football in general at youtube.com forward slash c forward slash scott kennedy so uh, scott any parting thoughts any comments here that uh you got an itch that you want to scratch with it no i'm gonna i'm gonna look at it a little bit more thinking you know how high can they get um you know washington can beat the giants uh and they've got a really high strength of schedule so they would fall if you uh if you lose to um the falcons have the saints for jake Denver Brown, has I think. kc they're both underdogs so you could you could Go above Washington, Chicago. Looking at them, we'll go into this a they lot play the Vikings. tomorrow. Is at Minnesota. They ain't winning that game. If Kirk is out, they might. They might. They might. Um, and then the other one is Seattle. I don't think they've got Arizona? the game. I remember thinking they should have. They lost one already that they should have won. That would have put them. They're at Arizona. Yeah. So yeah. Um, you're looking at one. The, the 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 good news is for for the Broncos is their strength of schedule is so bad. They're going to win any of the tiebreakers. So they shouldn't fall too far below um, all the, the, the other teams. You know, if they even if, if they win this game and finish eight and nine, I think you're you're looking at the lowest of 13. I think the lowest is uh, 14. Yeah, right uh, in that neighborhood. Yep. Right. Because... In that neighborhood. And, and everything has to go wrong for yeah. you to be to pick that low. So, yep. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Um, so uh, good show today, guys. Appreciate y'all being on here today. Um, we got, uh, you know, Chelsea and, and Spurs tomorrow in a league cup action. So keep an eye on that. Go Chelsea. Go Chelsea. I saw that Liverpool game was a lot of fun. Um, you guys have a good one. We'll see over on Scott's channel tomorrow. Choose kindness, choose compassion. Hopefully your day goes well and go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country.